0: Our reading this morning is from Philippians 2, beginning in verse 5 and going through 18. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. As you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud. I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am in glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. This is the Lord's word for us today.
1: All right, thanks, Kim, for reading that, and uh, it's good to have you all here gathered together. Uh, We have been, as a community, uh, in the middle of a conversation, Uh, and I say it's a conversation because Uh, everything builds on itself, right? We've been having this conversation about what does it mean to know God personally. Uh, And we have now been walking through this for, uh, this is now the fourth week, and this is the last week, Uh, which means that if you are just catching up with us after a couple weeks, uh, I want to catch you up on the conversation, because everything that we're doing here is building uh, and leading to what we're going to talk about uh, this morning. Uh, so we've been talking about what it means to know God personally, and, and, and kind of the thought behind this is a lot of people have an idea of who God is. Right? Like Probably all of us in this room have, have some idea of who God is, or a concept of who God is, and that's nice. Right? The idea of God is nice, but what we find about God in the Bible, what, what Jesus reveals to us about God, is that God is not an idea, but God is a person. And that's really important because if the God that I believe in is just a God of ideas, if he's just a concept, uh, then I can kind of like disagree with him, right? I can kind of take it or leave it. But if he's a person and he wants to be personally involved in my life and, and I disagree with him then, now he actually has a will for my life. Now he actually wants to be involved in my life. And so, so if we're honest, a lot of us would rather an idea God than a personal God. Uh, but the God of the Bible is a God who wants to get all up in your business, who wants to know you, and he wants you to follow him and follow him into life. And so we've been talking about what does it mean to know God personally, not as an idea, but as a person, as revealed by Jesus, and ultimately as revealed by the Holy Spirit. And so we've been talking about what Christians believe about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is God's personal presence, not a force, but a person, who is present in my life, connecting me to God and showing me what God wants for my life. And so if you have turned from your sin and trusted in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God's personal presence, is within you. He dwells within you and he wants to help you follow Jesus, which means that when you turn from your sin and trust in Jesus, you're never not connected to God. You're never not known by God. And so we've been kind of talking about what does that mean then? And so in the second week, we talked about what that means for when we struggle what well, that means for when we suffer, that when we go through hard times and we're tempted to question God's goodness, the Holy Spirit is there within us saying, no, God is your Father. You can go to him. God is your Father. You can trust him. And in fact, the Holy Spirit even prays for us when we're going through hard things. Last week, we talked about how sin and shame work to push us away from God. And so I sin and I, I feel ashamed. and The accuser wants me to turn away from God, but the Holy Spirit says, no, look at Jesus. And when you look at Jesus, you'll find that your sins are forgiven. So you can actually run to God in openness and honesty in light of who you are. God wants to know you personally. And he's made it possible through Jesus and through the presence of the Holy Spirit. So that's what we've been talking about over the past couple weeks. And so this week, we're going to conclude this conversation. But the hard part is, how do you conclude talking about the Holy Spirit? Like there's, and the Bible is just ripe with conversation about the Holy Spirit. So as I was thinking about that this week, I want to wrestle with this question. Okay, and that's this, uh, if all that is true, right, if God wants to know me personally, if, if I've turned from my sin and I've trusted in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is present in my life, then why don't I experience his presence more? Like, have you ever felt this? Like, like maybe you're in church and it's like, yeah, God's there, right? Yes, I believe in this, but then like Tuesday hits, right? And it's like Tuesday after lunch and you're just like, you're dragging and you're like, man, I just, what in the world happened on Sunday? Because like, this is hard. Right? or you make commitments like, like at an event or where you feel really connected to, to God and then like the reality of life plays out. And you're like, okay, God, where are you? Because right? like, if you read the book of Acts, which is the story of how the Holy Spirit took over the church, man, crazy stuff happens in that book. People start uh, preaching publicly, and people start being baptized, and lives are changed, and miracles are happening, and speaking in tongues is happening, and the whole cities are turned upside down. And I read that, but then I look at my life, and I'm like, man, I'm just doing the dishes, right? Like, what, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do for me? Right? And how do I follow you? How do I know you in my everyday life? And so I want to talk about that uh, this morning as we conclude the series on knowing God personally. But first, uh, I have to confess something to you, uh, and that is this. I hate, I hate being driven places. Anybody else feel that? Like if I have the choice between listening to a podcast for 15 hours while someone else drives me somewhere or being behind the wheel for 15 hours, I would choose being behind the wheel every day. Because like when I'm over here in the passenger seat, whoever this person is, like I may trust them, but like when push comes to shove, like they're the ones behind the wheel. Right, so I need to be behind the wheel. Like, and when I'm not, my anxiety is like sky high. Right, so I will be behind the wheel because I can control things. I can control how fast I go and how slow I go. I can swerve. Right, I can speed. I can do all the things that I want to do. I want to be in control. Right, it's my comfort zone. And so if someone else is driving me, I'm outside of my comfort zone. And, and each one of us has a comfort zone like that. Right, like you have a comfort zone, and your comfort zone is where you're in the driver's seat, right, where I'm behind the wheel, and, and I can predict what's going to happen. I, there's no threats, right? Or at least I can predict the threats, and I can anticipate that. I can expect what's going to happen, and I can predict what's going to happen. And, and for the most part, there's very little risk because I'm in my comfort zone. I'm in the driver's seat. Maybe for you this morning, coming to church was outside your comfort zone, right? And you're here, and you're like, I hope people don't talk to me. Right? I hope people do talk to me, but not too much. Right? Like, like, Church sometimes for some people is outside of their comfort zone. And, and you, you often don't know that until you're like at the edge of it. And at the edge of it, all of a sudden you feel this like spike of anxiety. You're like, i got to get back to what's comfortable. But what I want to talk about this morning, what I want you to consider is this. Uh, is that the reason why we don't experience God's presence in our life more is because we spend most of our life in our comfort zone. That we spend most of our life in this zone where I'm in the driver's seat, but the reality is that God's Holy Spirit is on the edge of your comfort zone, inviting you to take a step towards him. And that when you take that step towards him, it's going to be scary, it's going to be risky, but as you have less power, the Holy Spirit has more power, and he's going to be able to use you in ways that you wouldn't even imagine. And so the reason why we don't experience God's presence in my life more is because I'm in the driver's seat in my comfort zone. Right. And I want to show you this. I want to just show you three things. The first thing I want to show you is this, is that the Holy Spirit, uh, his goal is to push you out of your comfort zone. Right. Then I want to talk about two comfort zones that he wants to lead us into. All right. Then I want to talk about the difference that that makes for us. Okay. So first, we're going to be flipping through a couple passages here because there's a lot about the Holy Spirit for us to consider. But first I want to show you that the Holy Spirit, actually his desire and his purpose for your life is that you would get out of your comfort zone. All right, so in Acts chapter 1, in Acts chapter 1, this is uh, after Jesus has died, he's been buried, he's been raised to life again, he gathers his disciples around him, and, and he's saying, okay, it's go time, right? It's time to get after this mission. And he says this in verse 8 of chapter 1. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so. This is Jesus saying to his disciples, okay, here's what's gonna happen. The Holy Spirit's gonna come and it's gonna be powerful. You're gonna have a power that you could not even imagine. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he's gonna turn you into witnesses. So you're gonna be telling people about what you've seen with me and in my life and here's where you're gonna go. All right, first you're gonna go to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was like your neighborhood, right? Where you know your neighbors or at least you recognize their, their faces, right? You recognize the cars. You're very familiar with your neighborhood but then you're going to go to Judea and Judea was like like your city and he's like I know how to get around my city I know where that place is and this place is I know how to navigate but then you're going to go to Samaria and Samaria is where uh, we don't talk about those people we we have different cultures like there's language there's there's bad blood there between me and the Samaritans and so you're saying the Holy Spirit's going to send me there that's starting to get very uncomfortable but then you say he's going to send me to the ends of the earth. Where's that? I don't even know, it's not even on the map yet. You see, this is what the Holy Spirit did for the early church, is he came upon them, and he said, I'm going to lead you, and as you follow me, we're going to go increasingly further out of your comfort zone in the name of knowing Jesus and making him known. And so if this is what he does at the very beginning, then what does that mean for us? If you flip over to Galatians chapter 5, a few few books over. In Galatians chapter 5, this is where we ended last week. Uh, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says this, uh, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So what Paul is saying, the Apostle Paul is saying, this is the character that the Holy Spirit wants to work out in you. Right? Love and joy and peace and patience. Like that's, That sounds really nice. Right. In fact, you could probably get a Hobby Lobby poster with this on it and put it in your kitchen, right? Because this sounds great. Love, joy, peace, patience. Like, and he even says, who can argue with this? But that's often where we stop. But if you look at the next verse, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And put that on a poster in your kitchen. Like, no. You see, we love, we love verse 22. We don't want to go to verse 24. But this is what... This is what Paul is saying. As the Holy Spirit works out this fruit, this character in your life, this is what has to happen. You have to crucify some things. Right? You, have to, you have to let go of some things. You have to kill some things. You have to step out of your comfort zone as the Holy Spirit does this work in you. And then he gets to verse 25. He says this, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. He's saying, if you're going to live a life that is shaped by the Holy Spirit, where you know His presence in your life, you're going to have to walk with Him. Now, that word walk is too kind. I hear that word walk, and I think I'm walking with my wife through the neighborhood. I'm walking my dog. But that actually is a military kind of term. He's saying, if we live by the Spirit, march up with the Spirit. You see, in a sense, what He's saying is this that the Holy Spirit is in front of you calling the shots. The Holy Spirit is in front of you leading the way and it's up to you to keep up with him. See, oftentimes I think we think that, that we have to invite the Holy Spirit into a place or, or that the atmosphere has to be just right or the, the key change has to be just right and then the Holy Spirit comes in. But Paul is saying, no, the Holy Spirit is in front of you and he's leading the charge and he's asking you to crucify your comfort zone in order to meet him so that he can lead the way. This is what the Holy Spirit does he's waiting for you right at the edge of your comfort zone, saying, Keep up with me? And as you keep up with me, you're going to start to see and experience my presence more in your life. All right, so now I want to show you like the two boundaries, the two zones that the Holy Spirit wants to push into that are going to start to get a little uncomfortable. But this is how God wants to show up in your life, this is how He wants to change and transform your life. So, our primary text this morning that like Kim read from is Philippians chapter 2. Right, so if you want to flip back there in Philippians chapter two, uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 12. All right, same guy, Paul, same guy who wrote Galatians is now writing Philippians to a different church, but still talking about uh, the same Jesus, the same Holy Spirit. In verse 12, he says this, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will, and to work for his good pleasure. Okay, so a couple things. Let's look at what Paul actually says. The first thing he says is, therefore. So he's connecting what he's saying here to what he just said. And what did he just say? In verses five through 11, Paul quotes the lyrics of one of the first Christian songs, all about how Jesus left the comfort of heaven, humbled himself even to the point of death, and God raised him to life again. So Paul is saying, if that is true, if you believe that, if you claim that, then here's what needs to happen. He says this, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. All right, so what he's saying is this, okay, we talked about this when we were in church on Sunday. We talked about this when we were in Bible study with Paul on Tuesday, but I'm leaving now and you have to continue to follow this even when I'm not here. All right, so he's saying, okay, this is true on Sunday in church, but it's also true at, on Tuesday at work. All right, this is true uh, Sunday in church, but also Thursday when you're getting into it with your spouse fighting. Right, this is true no matter what. And so he's inviting us and challenging us to live into this, not just in church on Sunday, but in every day of the week, whether or not the pastor's there, right? whether or not your disciple is there, whether or not your mentor is there, whether or not your leader is there, to live this life out everywhere you go. All right, and he says this, Uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Okay, so question, who's doing the work? Who's doing the work? On the one hand, Paul says this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now notice he doesn't say work for your salvation. He says work out your salvation. it's, It's as if he's saying this, okay, this is true about Jesus. He died for your sins, he was buried, he rose again. Okay, that is your salvation. Work out the implications of that in your life, right? Consider, okay, if this is what God did for me, then then work that out. How should that change how you think? How should that change how you live? How should that change how you love? How should that change how you serve people? Like work out the implications of that in your life with fear and trembling in awe of what God has done for you. Work that out. So, So I have a role to play in working this out in how I live my everyday life. But then Paul says this, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Right, so as I'm working out the implications of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus in my life, God the Holy Spirit is also doing work in me. And so I'm invited to collaborate, to participate in what God wants to do, to change my life to look more like Jesus. Which means that, that I, can, I can resist him, or I can join him. Right, I can say yes to him, or I can say no to him. Okay, and this is where we run into I think, the two boundaries of our comfort zone. So Paul identifies two domains in which God wants to do this work, work in verse 13. He said, it's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Okay, so uh, I want you to go back to that comfort zone idea. Okay, each of us has a comfort zone, and our comfort zone looks like A donut. We'll put it on the screen up here. Now, some of you are like, my comfort zone is donuts, Uh, especially at church, right? But my comfort zone looks like a donut, okay? There's an outer boundary, and there's an inner boundary, okay? And this is what Paul is saying. This is where the Holy Spirit wants to be present and active in your life. The first is this inner circle, which we'll call my will, My will. He says this, uh, God works in you to will for his good pleasure, Okay, now my will, what is that? What he's talking about there, the word actually means like my desires, right? The, the inner desires of my inner life. Okay, like, and so the Holy Spirit wants to, to move and change and transform what goes on on the inside of me, right? My internal processing, my internal emotional life. Right, that how I think about myself, how I think about my history, how I think about my story, the Holy Spirit wants to change and transform that so that it lines up with His purpose and pleasure in your life. Right, like, think about this. Like, I think uh, and it's a boundary in our comfort zone, okay, because I think most of us live semi-shallow inner lives, right? Like we're where like your day is really busy and really stressful. And so at the end of the day, you're just trying to unwind. You're just trying to process the stress, right? The bills are due and work is stressful. I got to get the kids off to practice. And and so we live kind of very thin inner lives that avoid kind of the deeper depths of who we are. And even when we have a moment to pause, or even when we have a moment where maybe we could go there, we don't want to go there. We don't want to reflect on who we are. We don't want to reflect on, uh, on the reality of our inner emotional life, so we turn on Netflix. We pull out our phone. Are right? we medicate in other kinds of ways? Right? Because to, to go into that space is to maybe deal with some hard, ugly truths. Right? To step out of the comfort zone of how I think about myself, to see myself in light of who I really am, not how I perceive myself to be. Right? The Holy Spirit wants to get into this space. You see, James chapter 4 uh, says this uh, about this space, about this inner th- world within me. He says this, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You see, what he's saying is this, all of the sin that I struggle with, right, all the, all the, my, my tendency towards addiction, My tendency towards all these things, they come from the fact that my inner desires are disordered, that that my inner emotional life has been affected by sin, and so it's bent out of shape. See, I think this is why Paul says in a couple verses later, he says this, do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. I've been thinking about those words, crooked and twisted. And you might be able to take those words and say, well, it's a judgment on the world. I right? say, well, this world is really crooked. This world is really twisted. Right? But those words are passive words. Right? Something has some to, for something to be twisted is some force or some power has to have come in and twisted it out of shape. Right? Something has to have come in and bent it out of shape. And so in effect, what he's saying is, is the inner life of the world around you Every person that you meet has been twisted and bent out of shape by sin. We talked about this last week, how sin and shame keep us enslaved. And so what he's saying is the Holy Spirit wants to get into that inner world with you. And he wants to reform your inner life so that your desires line up with his. So that your emotional life lines up with his. So that your your passions line up with him. So this is what Christians call spiritual formation. Right? That it's not just that God wants to change my actions. He also wants to, to change my character. He wants to change my inner emotional life so that I know God's love and I experience the presence of the Spirit there. But in order for us to go there, we're gonna have to step into or out of our comfort zone and, and actually look at ourselves with some honesty. To actually look at how we've been living and to, to take the time to reflect on our inner life. Right. This is why I'm so excited for our recovery ministry that we're getting started. It just got started on Saturday. Uh, and I want, I want to put up on the slide uh, how we're describing it. So we're describing this as New Heights. Right? New Heights is Jesus-centered recovery ministry. And, and we picked this, uh, this image, okay, because I think this pictures is what, what it means to have our desires reformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Is this a iceberg metaphor? Right. You've probably heard this before, that 90% uh, of, of the weight of an iceberg is below the surface. Right, so, at the top, you only see the top like 10%. And, and the principle is true as well that, that most of your decisions, right, most of your processing of life happens below the surface. But it's in those places that the Spirit wants to come in and change and transform and reform your desires so they line up after Jesus. But we have to be willing to actually consider what's below the surface, actually consider what's shaping me, informing me, and influencing me under the surface. So I want to give you a workout. All right, Paul said, work out your salvation. So I'm going to give you a workout. All right, how, how do I participate? How do I collaborate with the Holy Spirit as he wants to do this work? How do I lean into that inner uh, comfort zone to allow my desires and my emotions to be reformed by him? All right, uh, Pastor Rich Velotis, he wrote a book called The Deeply Formed Life. And he talks about the importance of examination. Right, and he gives us five questions. To examine ourselves when we find ourselves in a space where our emotions are overwhelming, uh, or just something is happening and we need to process it in light of the presence of the Holy Spirit. All right, so examination. Now, if you're on, if I'm honest, like that word examination, I don't like that word. It sounds like I'm being graded. Right? But this is instead like paying attention to what's happening beneath the surface. Right? To invite the Holy Spirit to change and transform my reaction to things. Right? So first he says, what happened? All right, what happened? Sometimes the, the first thing we need to do is just assess the situation we find ourselves in. Assess the anger that's coming out of me or the, or the, the situation that prompted this. Right, what happened? The second is, what am I feeling? And pay attention to, to the anger or the sadness or the frustration to, to understand it and to consider it because it's telling you something beneath the surface. And the third question is this, what's the story I'm telling myself? That each one of us has a story that we tell about ourselves, a story that we tell about our emotions, about our pain, about our suffering. That story can be true, but that story can also be untrue. And so asking the Holy Spirit then, question four, what does the gospel say? What is the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus in the presence of the Holy Spirit? How does that change how I think about myself? How does that change how I process the situation? How does that change how I consider my own emotions. And then fifth, what counter-instinctual action is needed? Now, that's a big word, but he's saying this, right? On my default, I'm going to choose what's comfortable. I'm going to choose what's easy. I'm going to choose what I've always chosen, but change and transformation happens as I embrace the discomfort and invite the Holy Spirit to reform me. So he's inviting us into this space of examination to to go deeper than just, okay, I'm stressed by my day, to say, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in my heart? What do you want to do in my emotions? What do you want to do in my story? This is what recovery is all about. This is what counseling is all about. This is why it's an important aspect, an important tool in the process of the Holy Spirit changing and transforming my inner life. All right, let's talk about the second boundary. The Holy Spirit wants to push me into this inner world to help me understand what's going on inside of me. But as he does that, and really the reason why he does that, the purpose for that, is so that I can then take a step outward in my actions towards other people. So he says, uh, do all things without grumbling and questioning. so, So the reality is, if I haven't done the work, if I'm not doing the work of understanding my own emotions, then when I take a step in discomfort, I take a step out of my, uh, my comfort zone and actions towards other people, right, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna start grumbling real quick. I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start complaining real quick. But, but he's saying, as the Holy Spirit does this work in you, as you take a step towards him, you're gonna start to see him work in new and exciting ways, right? So he says this, you will shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. So in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain he's saying this, and the Holy Spirit wants to lead you to be a light in the world. to take a step outside of your comfort zone, towards someone else, so that they can see the work that Jesus is doing in you, and, and be drawn to that, and be attracted to that. You see, if you read the pages of Acts, and really if you read the pages of the whole Bible, the Holy Spirit is most active when the mission of Jesus is going to new places. When the mission of Jesus, the good news of Jesus is going into a new context, a new culture, a new country, the Holy Spirit is all up in that. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples of Jesus. And it sends them out of the room that they're in, into the streets, and they start preaching the good news of Jesus in every language that was, being, uh, that was known on that street corner. Because the Holy Spirit wants the mission of Jesus to go forward. And so when we take a step out of our comfort zone into what's unknown, where I'm not in the driver's seat anymore, the Holy Spirit is going to take power and take control. And in that space, man, you don't know what's going to happen. But the Holy Spirit is going to make Jesus known in that, as we're willing to step into that space. Holding out the word of life, that's the good news of Jesus to people. You see, oftentimes I think we don't see him work in these kinds of ways, because Because we're far too comfortable in our approach to sharing Jesus with people. We're far too comfortable in our in our community, right? We're kind of just like we stay at the surface of our inner life, we stay at the surface of our relationships. And we're afraid to ask that penetrating question. We're afraid to offer we're afraid to offer to pray for someone. We're afraid to invite somebody in so that they might see and hear who Jesus is. But when we take a step out of our comfort zone, that's when the Holy Spirit is gonna take control. And you're not going to know what's going to happen. But he is going to make Jesus known. Right, so I want to, just like I gave us an internal workout, I want to give, it a, give us an external workout. All right, and if you've been around our community for any amount of time, you, this is going to be maybe old news to you, but I think it's important news, and that's this, that, that a way that we take a step towards other people in action in following Jesus is through the acronym of BLESS. All right, BLESS, just five everyday ordinary things that you and I can do. Or we're stepping out of our comfort zone. We're saying, okay, my schedule, my priorities, the things that I would choose to do are not as important in this moment as following Jesus. It's following the prompting and the urging of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, the first is being prayerfully present, which is saying, okay, Holy Spirit, like lead me. I don't know what you're gonna do, but I'm praying for my neighbors. I'm praying for my block. I'm praying for my coworker. Like you're gonna do the work to bring an opportunity. And I wanna be prayerfully ready for that to happen. Second is listening. We're just asking questions. Being aware and open to what people are saying because they're going to tell you a lot about about themselves if you ask them good questions. Eating is sharing a meal with people. Inviting them over or going out to lunch with someone or having a barbecue or inviting somebody in so that you can get to know them in that more intimate space. Jesus did this all the time. He ate with people. And in it, he built relationships with people. Serving someone is finding a tangible way to meet a need. Offering help even being willing to receive help sometimes, serving people. And then lastly, sharing your story. Saying, here's who Jesus is. Here's how he's been changing and reforming my inner life. Let me me help you understand him. Let me help you meet him. Everyday, ordinary things. In the back, we have a whole bunch of cards that look like this. It says, did you bless someone this week? And on the back, it's got that acronym. So you can take this, uh, we've encouraged our people to do this in the past, like take this, put it on your nightstand, put it in your car, like, and find a way every week to simply bless someone. And when you do that, you don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to do, right? But what you are doing is you're stepping out of your comfort zone, saying, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you going to do? Or like, I- I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to, willing to have lunch with someone. I'm willing to invite somebody in. I'm willing to serve to get out of my comfort zone and offer something to someone, Right, but then he invites you then to share your story with someone, right, which is the scariest part. Right? But that's the moment that the Holy Spirit wants because he exists to glorify Jesus and he wants you to do the same. And so when we step out of our comfort zone, that's when we're going to experience the Holy Spirit in new and profound ways. You see, I've been pondering this question over the past couple weeks. Uh, what makes the church different than a garden club? Right, like there's a good Hearts Garden Club. All right, what makes the church different than a book club? I mean, after all, we get together, we read this book every week. Like, are we just like a glorified book club with tithing? What makes the difference? The difference is not the program. It's not the service. It's not the building. The difference is the Holy Spirit. Right, the presence of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, changing our inner lives so that they line up with Jesus so that we take steps that don't make sense in the calculus of the world so that people can know Jesus as well. That's what makes a church a church. Right? That's, Acts is all about the church. and the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is all over it. And so just by starting a program or buying a building or hosting an hour thing once a week, that's not what makes us a church. What makes us a church is that we follow the Holy Spirit. And so let's follow the Holy Spirit together, church. Let me pray for us. God, you are personally present you know us and you want us to know you. God, we confess that we like staying in our comfort zone. We don't wanna go into those places in our, in our story. We don't wanna go across that street to that person. But Holy Spirit, you're asking us to keep up with you. You're asking us to meet you at the edge of that comfort zone so that you can take control. God, this morning, maybe there's someone here who this is entirely out of their comfort zone. And talking about sharing your faith, talking about uh, inner reformation, God, this stuff is, is heavy, and maybe there's someone here who's like, I'm not sure, Jesus, I'm not sure what you want to do. Holy Spirit, would you meet them at the ed- edge of their comfort zone, that they would see their need for Jesus and turn and trust in him? And God, as we talk about these deep things that are inside of us and this challenge that's in front of us, God, would you, Holy Spirit, remind us that this is not in our strength and our power but that this is you who wants to do this work in our hearts and our minds and our bodies so that our whole life is oriented around you so that we would live to make you known. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, amen.